feeling stuck in your career or like you're not realizing your potential? Coaching Chats is the podcast for you. Through informative interviews and practical advice, we will help you assess your skills and interests while providing actionable steps to overcome challenges. Become the best version of yourself with Coaching Chats. friends welcome to another episode of coaching chats i'm your host rukshana alivan today i'm joined by a very special guest alec wells alec is an independent dream practitioner a staff member of the academy of modern applied psychology ecology and he's a contributing author to the book business life and the universe volume 7 the best-selling holistic wellness series. Alec has provided trauma workshops to staff from the International Criminal Court within online global mental health and summits to to former colleagues within frontline emergency services. Alec's purpose as a former first responder is to use his experience and personal understanding of the challenges he has faced to help other people overcome residual exposure to trauma and live healthy, meaningful lives. He offers a different perspective on trauma and traumatic incidents, how to cope with them and to equip people to manage post-traumatic reactivation situations. I met Alec um, in one of the ecology events last year, as well as the majority of my guests on on these podcasts so far. And in today's episode, We will talk about understanding trauma, navigating the landscape of emotional healing, exploring different types of trauma and their impact on mental and emotional well-being, discussing the importance of recognizing and addressing trauma to facilitate healing. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome, Alec, to this new episode of Coaching Chats. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you, Alec. So excited for today's um, conversation as well. Um, for our listeners who don't know you, um, can you share your background with us? Yes, of course. I joined the emergency services as a 10 to 19 year old, and then I spent um, the majority of my police career in covert policing in all strands of that. So everything from developing uh, intelligence and working against organized crime syndicates up to covert surveillance and undercover work. And that was demanding and at times stressful, but also very enjoyable. I then had a career break and I found myself joining the ambulance service. I became a paramedic. I was a paramedic mentor and elite paramedic in Southwest Ambulance Service. And then for the latter part of my career, um, depending on my social context, I chopped and changed between those two services, but always around the south, southwest of England. And it was during my career that I became exposed and sensitized to trauma realized that there were some precursors to being affected by trauma in my formative years, a number of the adverse childhood experiences that some of your listeners might be familiar with, and ultimately found myself having one of those train wreck moments. I went through the Western medical model and ended up with a diagnosis of complex PTSD, which has now been rebranded as complex trauma and basically told that I was going to have to live with that for the rest of my life. And it was during that process of what does living with this for the rest of my life look like that I discovered ecology and cane. I was very challenged by some of his comments about trauma and dealing with it, but actually the whole experience of studying within ecology and 
than doing the other things that I have, you know, the vault hosting and things that you'll be familiar with has all been a massive part of me regaining my confidence, uh, a completely different life, very different person to the one that had that, um, yeah, I'm going to go with collapse, uh, getting on for about four years ago now, but somebody who's found a purpose in service to others, which actually I didn't really get to fully implement in those other careers because there are all sorts of organizational constraints that just prevent you as an individual from helping as much as you might actually like to. So now I'm under my own sail, my own flag, and I'm helping people as and where the opportunities present themselves. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and yes, Alec, I do remember whilst you were talking, I found myself thinking, I think I met you at the world. My first, well, as when I joined as a member of a college, I think on, on Fridays, he, on Fridays, he used to host Waltz. I think that was, um, my second or first one. I don't, I don't recall, but uh, yeah. They're a great place to learn and, you know, the applied part is doing it for ourselves and probably with our, our peers and our family, because that's how we're encouraged to, isn't it? In Kane's lessons, grab a passing child, a member of the family, whoever you can lay your hands on to practice. And it's good advice because something that I've discovered is the most effective healing is done when we are seen and heard by those people that are around us. And especially if it's people around us who have had a similar experience, not sharing, not, um, crossing over the experiences, but having an understanding of it themselves. Thank you, Alec. And thank you again for sharing your uh, background. You yourself went through a traumatic experience, starting from your uh, formative years. And again, you, um, as a part of your job, as far as I understood, you had to go through these, um, um, what do you call it? What do you call it? Like incidents. It's just part of the job, which sadly, yeah, I can have a, a mental impact on you. Not a good one. Um, and uh, I thought because the main subject of our conversation today is trauma and how to deal with trauma, how to over, or overcome it. I thought um, for our listeners, perhaps who are not very familiar with this terminology, um, or how if we start with a definition, what what is trauma and um, if you could provide an overview of different types of trauma that people might experience? The trauma definition that I work with, um, with TRIM, and we'll talk about that later, is trauma being an event that is external and that overwhelms an individual's physical and psychological coping mechanisms and strategies. It usually involves some kind of intense helplessness and intense horror and often, but not always, intense fear. But the real key to understanding it is the experience of trauma. It doesn't matter what the event is, it is the individual's perception that is important. So it's, it's not the event, it's the understanding of the event and the way the individual experienced it. And it can be considered a natural reaction to abnormal events. And those reactions can be both physical and psychological, and they can vary enormously person to person. I think trauma is one of those statements that's come into the collective psyche and people often are heard say, oh, that, that traumatized me or that triggers me, but without really fully exploring what that trigger was or what the experience of trauma was. So it is quite possible for a toddler having a tantrum um, to be really emotionally triggered, to have all sorts of reactions chemically, adrenaline, cortisol and the like running through their body and to be shouted at, shaken maybe by their main carer and that yes could be a traumatic experience it 
might have some sort of contributory factor to the way they behave in later life, particularly if it's a repetitive experience um, or you know the caring experience they have isn't a particularly healthy one. And as you said, with the emergency services, you can have a, a trickle-down effect where every day there's violence, um, verbal abuse, fear of situations, um, sometimes even the adrenaline of driving on a, a blue light uh, response to an event. And if you get there and nothing's happening, you, you need to express that in a healthy way and often it just gets bottled up and you're back onto the next job and um, same with you you've been assaulted or you know you've been to some harrowing incident um so those are the the kinds of ways that we might experience a trauma personally and uh, you can experience secondary trauma by being involved with somebody you know someone you care about a loved one and one of the things that i discovered with the international criminal court staff although i'd experienced it myself as well in investigations is you become so absorbed in a situation and you begin to visualize the situation so clearly that it's as if you were there and certainly any of you know your coaching friends that might be listening and probably a number of those that aren't involved even in coaching per se will recognize the power of visualization if a diver or a sportsman can improve their performance by visualizing it then it goes without saying that on a less than conscious level when we're fully immersed in a traumatic event even if we weren't there our minds being wonderful devices they are can create that picture for us and we experience as if it was there and then we move into things like um help fatigue and vicarious trauma where it's just the day-to-day the -day constant repetition um and that's a slightly different subject but still leaves somebody open to burnout and experiencing those repetitive stresses and strains that will associate with traumatic stress. Thank you, Alec. Yes, I could imagine. Um, thank you for sharing all the types of um, traumas that people can experience in life. And as you said, it's not just um, because we were talking about dream and we actually, yeah, we'll talk about this later in, in this episode. It can be any traumatic experience starting from your childhood. And as you said, it's really important to recognize it. Because some people don't even understand that they experience trauma, isn't it? Um, and uh, then they later, they might have these flashbacks or, you know, because it does impact um, in mental health. And uh, we, um, uh, I was wondering, so we, we did mention TRIM uh, several times. Can you explain for our listeners, what does it stand for? Uh, what does practic uh, TRIM practitioner do? Yes, it's um, trauma risk management. It's something that was developed in the military, but is supported uh, by King's College London and has a constantly growing evidence base. And what will happen is that a, a situation will occur, um, something like we described, maybe your listeners can imagine an accident and emergency or emergency department and setting. And... The incident the bad thing happens and then in the background you will get a group of trained individuals uh, trim practitioners and trim managers who will come together to decide what kind of risk assessment is required and offer it uh, on a voluntary basis to those that have been affected so on a broader perspective uh, a trim practitioner or manager might just provide a briefing for people that work in the department or associated with the department and need to understand the truth of what happened, the facts of it, rather than the rumour. So that would be one part. Um, there would be a, a planning meeting and then those that were um, 
either most directly involved or those that could have been there and weren't because they were on holiday or something like that. So there's this awareness that it could have been me. Um, people who respond. So this is where uh, your first responders come in, for example. So constantly going to scenes of major incidents, um, of which I've been to more than I would like to remember. Those people can then be offered a risk assessment and it really is a, a conversation. Uh, it can be slightly coachy in the sense that we use open questions and we create the safe space, confidentiality and those sorts of things that would be present for a, a coaching conversation. But it's not therapy. It's a conversation about what happened before, during and after the incident, looking at 10 key risk factors and then within that there's a, a specific question which is about acute stress and that is the single biggest indicator of the potentiality and that's the really important word of the potential for someone to go on to develop a chronic reaction and that is where they would be signposted uh, to other professional care and uh, evident um, evidence um, education and reassurance and and that is where the evidence body really says that trim is effective because it identifies those people very early on there's always a one month follow-up and potentially a, a three month and as many as is necessary to monitor the person um, and in most cases the person at the the one month stage has processed in a healthy and natural way whatever happened so what i'd really like to reinforce for anybody listening is that most of us will deal with trauma healthily and in fact you know, these events are only ever potentially traumatic we know that some stress can be useful it's motivational um, but the important thing is for us to understand the meaning of it, um, to understand how the person is being influenced by the event. And the most important things are that processing this through thinking and talking about the event and processing the facts allows us not to fall into a place of believing necessarily that uh, oh, I'm traumatized and this is going to be with me for the rest of my life. Um, yes, the thing happened. You will have, always have that memory, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that will cause those physical reactions somewhere down the line. Yes, that, that's... that's um, thank you for sharing, Alec. And I have to say from my side... I uh, admire greatly people who work in emergency in the emergency services and NHS as well um, because you know they 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 do deal with um, incident that you know they see deaths I mean if we call it uh, if we use the, this language and obviously it can have such a um, traumatic um, it can be such a traumatic experience uh, maybe it's just me I'm very sensitive I. Um, I, like I said, I, will, I admire people who can do this job because maybe I'm, you know, I'm scared of blood, so I can't even, so you probably could imagine when I, um, if, you know, I'll probably would definitely, definitely need a true practitioner to be around me 24 seven if I worked in that, in, 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 in these services. And I was wondering how long that was around trim, you know, generally, uh, is it, has it been around for a long time or? Um, that's a good question. I wish I was better prepared for it. It's certainly been around since uh, the time of uh, the first sort of Gulf War, so around about 2000. And um, some of the research, uh, for instance, the, the definition that I gave earlier of um, trauma, that came from a research paper in the late 80s um, uh, by Van der Kolk uh, that was published in 1989. So recognizing um that mass incidents 
cause problems is it's been around for probably a good 30 or more years now um but if we look back historically you know, shell shock from uh, the first and second world wars and experiences that uh, we have documentary evidence of from much earlier uh, would all have had traumatic stress indicators how they were dealt with and how the people went on to heal if they ever did heal um that's not something i can answer um from an informed place and i'm sorry about that i would like to have been <laughs> no no you don't need to apologize it's uh it's just out of my curiosity uh, because it made me think I despite I didn't work um, for um, emergency services I think the ex some of the experiences I had uh, working financial services left me I don't know maybe I have some some sort of trauma now <laughs> you know just uh, you know listening to you because I had incidents of like bad bosses um, again I don't want to be victim victim here I don't have this victim mindset but uh, there were different yeah cases and instances where mentally um you know I, I didn't feel well and, and and I still have this um like flashbacks you know I would because obviously my content is around um that part of my life and how to overcome it all the struggles and challenges I had and sometimes it, you know I tried to not reflect too much on the past and like what lesson what lesson did I learn but at the same time listening to you maybe it's actually PTSD. I don't know. Actually, is it PTSD? Can is it related to? Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, when people say, "Oh, that triggers me," from my perspective, um, the, the deeper part of that is it triggers you. How? I mean, if it's flashbacks, intrusive thoughts, physical reactions, sweaty palms, and um, heart racing all those sorts of things are indicators of a, a past traumatic incident that resurfaces um i was lucky enough within ecology to uh to have a live demonstration now uh, with dr Tariq sani um coaching me as a cbt practitioner around my reaction to sirens and, you know, I hear emergency sirens and it has a very, very dramatic effect. Um, I've learned to live with it. You know, I can recognize the response, recognize that I'm in a safe place and take the appropriate steps. Um, but if you're having that sort of response, if it's something that haunts your dreams or you try and avoid certain situations because, you know, you're going to react in that way, then you're definitely on a, a post-trauma stress reaction um, somewhere. I wouldn't like to sort of put a, a pin in that, but you, yes, that's what you're experiencing. Um, so a colleague of mine um, stumbled across on patrol uh, a really violent incident and became the, the subject of it. Um, he was in a, a marked police car, it was attacked with baseball bats and crowbars and all sorts of things. And he understandably was having stress reactions and thoughts and, you know, invasive thoughts and the like. But because he'd shared it with his partner, um, the partner also started to experience um, this fear of coming around a corner and, and being set upon and stuff. So... It is something that can spread. And one thing that we do in Trim, and that I would recommend uh, to anybody if they're, they're talking to somebody about this stuff, is not to dig around too much, uh, only to, to look at the stuff that is being offered on the surface. If there's other things that need to be looked at, then that's where we signpost and educate and possibly even come and talk to somebody like me or another trauma-informed coach and just be mindful of your language um i'm i'm not proud of it but for months and months i was pestered once to to what's the worst thing you 
that ever happened. And I really didn't want to talk about it. Nobody ever says what's the best thing or how many babies have you delivered or anything like that. So I eventually answered. And if I'm honest, I was a bit angry. So I probably put more into it um, and painted the picture more vividly than might have been compassionate. And sometime later, that person came up to me and um, basically complained, criticised me for for sharing that because they were now experiencing reactions and um, upset about it. So just as a word of warning, you know, be careful with you one's traumatic experiences because they they do rub off on other people and it's the compassionate thing to do just to be mindful if it's hurt you it might hurt others yes thank you i could imagine if uh, especially if, if a person is quite sensitive i don't know if that's the correct description some people are very different right well, you mentioned that you're sort of sensitive to blood i mean i could i could but i won't tell you stories that would make you faint i'm sure um or certainly feel like it but to what end um there's no there's no purpose in that and something that i've learned in my recovery is it's talking about what makes a healthy and natural reaction to something that you've experienced without constantly um reenacting it being a victim of it or potentially traumatizing other people and that's a a big step to take and so for for somebody that's experienced trauma and says a lot phrases like this triggers me or i can't do that because i will be triggered you know there's healing available uh if you look for it and once you've been through that healing and coaching you'll be in a much better place to talk to others and help them with similar problems. And yeah, Paul, actually I remember because you said you, uh, before uh, being a paramedic, you used to work um, as a police uh, officer in the police. Yeah, in the police. Yeah. yeah. And I remember, um, I, think, I think last year I was in London and I saw this scene where just a random person, maybe he was under... Maybe he was drunk. I don't know. He just um, started to fight with policemen, and he actually beat them, beat a couple of them quite severely. Yeah. So they had to call the um, you know uh, police cars, and they took uh, handcuffs on him. But generally, I thought these people who just were beaten up, who were just doing their job, and I could imagine this is probably nothing that you probably have seen. I was like coming back home, being by being by beaten up by a random person who was just shouting at them and, you know, I don't know what, what was in his head, but generally that can be as well. I, I remember I found myself thinking that time, it's just that's a stressful, that's a super stressful job. Um, and when you worked in that um, environment, being as a paramedic or in the police, did you have that sort type of support? Um, I'd like, I'd like <laughs> to be able to say yes, but unfortunately far too often one would hear things like, if you haven't got a sense of humor, you shouldn't have joined. It's the job, just deal with it. Uh, that kind of mentality. And that is changing slowly. Um, but unfortunately, there is um, probably several generations of paramedics and police officers, firefighters who have borne the brunt of this type of thing and not dealt with it well. I mean, I would certainly say that um, it was contributory to um, two marriages failing for me. And there's this belief that it, you just deal with it. You know, that it's it's weak to show that something's affected you um, or it's weak to ask for help. And even from management, there is occasionally this, and you mentioned it with, with poor bosses, um, you know, what do you expect? This is the job. You know, why are you complaining about it? And it's unfortunate because people are much better equipped to 
be resilient to things by speaking and it's better to have a resilient workforce who are taking certain levels of trauma dealing with the adversity because it there can't be any resilience without something acting as the adversity and to actually grow from these things you know we we talk about trauma growth and it it exists you know it's no different to growing a muscle you you stress it you strain it it heals it gets stronger and that is extremely important to recognize and uh, you know, i would really like to talk about the fact that personal resilience um is a you can picture it like the roof of a house you know um protecting you from from storms and weather and the pillars of the roof are self-awareness self-regulation self-motivation social support reflecting on what you've experienced and learning from it and also sharing those things so you know, that's part of my aim is to help people through self-awareness to develop inner strength and personal resilience so trauma is like the the lock and key to a, a door of a, a much wider awareness and a healthier way of life for me and um, that's what I experienced and that's what I offer to my clients oh, thank you Alec that's good to know um, so the, you you are the the go-to person it's good to know you that you yeah you you're specialized in that particular area because I've never I, I haven't you are the first person uh, yeah I know from my network who actually specialize I would say yeah working people with trauma and yeah thank you for sharing your experience and uh, if we move from um, trim to generally to traumas because you mentioned you know people can experience trauma in different areas of their lives how do these traumas uh, uh, vary vary in their in their impact on mental and emotional well-being I think we've covered a little bit but maybe just a bit more yeah Yes, um, I would say that for the most part, they present as a lot of the things that you would see in a normal coaching relationship. So, you know, a lot of problem thinking, all or nothing, um, looking on the dark side about events, maybe cynicism and overgeneralization, catastrophizing, um, personalizing in the sense of it it was either my fault um so sort of taking a shame shameful stance or externally projecting blame you know this happened because somebody wasn't wasn't doing this that or the other um mistaking facts for feelings um you know because you feel a certain way about something doesn't necessarily mean that that it was a, a fact so some of the things that I look at are reframing thinking, uh, talking to people about their thinking patterns, um, what sort of thoughts come up and trying to observe those without judgment and challenging them appropriately and um, empathically and replacing negative self-talk with uh, a more positive and balanced view. And self and social support kind of go hand in hand there. You know, we can monitor our own self-talk, but it's when we speak to, to coaches and friends and family that we really uh, open ourselves up to, to very natural and healthy ways of healing. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, it, it's being seen and heard by the people around us that make us feel like, you, we are we are important we're valued and whatever happened to us doesn't define us and that's the most important thing because um resilience isn't uh i can't remember who this quote is from but resilience isn't a fixed personality trait you know circumstances change our social context can change and the levels of resilience we require alter and also we we adapt 
well to the adversities and the threats and conditions that cause us significant stress. But as with anything in life, we model this, we learn it, and we are able to to utilize it as and when the time comes that we need it again. Yes, thank you, Alec. And um, yeah, as you said, it's it's a very similar uh, emotional experience um, as you know as any probably would person would approach uh, a coach um, or any therapist with um, unhelpful thinking, that emotional distress they experienced. So you you yeah they they we will experience similar things. And as well, what came on my mind whilst you were talking, and I think I forgot to mention this, and going through all these um, stress factors and incident, I think it, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it as well helps you be a bit stronger person and helps you actually to be quite resilient. Because I actually felt from people saying to me, you know, Rukhshana, I've seen so much in my life. You know, for me, this is just nothing now. What I've went through, you know, what I'm, what like, let's say if I, left, if I lost my job, you know, this is just apart from like financial, maybe um, safety, but, you know, emotionally just doesn't affect me. Absolutely. And resilience is something that we exercise like a muscle. We can be someone who goes to the gym regularly and exercises our abilities to be resilient and to have inner strength. And something that is is valuable and I would also offer is that you're comparing our traumas is isn't particularly helpful because it does vary so much from one individual to another so you're bringing this more to to your area someone who is experiencing burnout and fatigue going to an office who has a physical reaction they can't sleep the night before they're sick with dread in the morning um, you know, they maybe develop symptoms of IBS or, you know, they have irrational outbursts of anger and these sorts of things. Um, they're not wholly different to stuff that I experienced preparing for a shift. And I would spend my time off of a shift having to work so hard to to balance myself. And all of that energy was going into going back to the job. And so, so little relatively was spent in my personal relationships and my home life. And as I mentioned earlier, two big relationships suffered dreadfully and probably many smaller ones. So trauma is not hugely different in the way it affects us as individuals, but what we experience as a trauma will vary greatly and as with anything comparing one experience that you have to something that somebody else has had it nine times out of ten is going to lead to a situation where things aren't coming up well for you so as a general rule of thumb don't compare traumas and don't think that what was hard for you would be hard for somebody else okay you, you mentioned resilience um, a few times during our conversation because this is a, like one of the most important aspects of how to deal with trauma. Um, resilience uh, and inner strength are often um, mentioned, as I said, when discussing trauma recovery. Uh, what are some practices that can help people build and strengthen their resilience? I would say key one is not to worry about things that you can't change or control and um, so we all are aware that you know we have spheres of influence some we can uh, exert influence on and those are the ones that really are worth our focus when we're talking about resilience um because if you determine what you can control focus your influence on that it will allow you to identify areas where you have fears of things that you can't control, which often create anxiety. And then when you understand 
that difference, um, you can move from worrying about perhaps an abstract fear to a solution-focused approach on the things that you do have uh, control over. You can create plans uh, to manage your your stress. You can develop healthy routines, all of which fit into generalized coaching, uh, not just uh, trauma-informed um, or resilience coaching. It is something, resilience is something that... Um, you do have to develop and you can work on is I think I mentioned earlier, it's not a, a fixed personality trait. And if we think of the wise mind model, so emotional thinking at, at one hand and um, rational thinking on the other, when you are able to move into the wise mind and, and see the overlaps and find some peace and calmness over that, that's a, another um, real key to developing a, a resilient approach and really I think being open to challenging your thoughts about a certain situation and if it's possible to to speak to somebody who will allow you to gain that external perspective um, to help you look where you could be incorrect in your thinking so thinking of like the socratic questioning where does the thought come from did somebody give it to you is it objectively true and if not what would be um a better use of your uh inspiration time your efforts um and a, a shameless plug you know i actually ended up creating a, a model um, where I look at all of these things. So we start with a, a triggering, activating event. We look at some grounding techniques um, to to remove us from the memory and bring us back to the here and now. Uh, we then look at the objective truths, um, challenge it, put it to some um, Socratic questioning. Then we look at our personal congruence with the thoughts, the resilience and what we want our desired outcome to be either in that moment, um, you know, because it can be done very quickly or the next time something happens, this is the course of action that I'm going to take. And then we just go through the experiential learning model. And if that didn't work, then we'll try something else next time. Oh, thank you, Alec. I, I think in the introduction, I did say that you developed a system, which is, um, I believe it's like a slightly different approach uh, to uh, cope with trauma. Is that that that's okay. yes, yeah. So that is uh, the desired state model, and mm -hmm. um, in the same way that I shamelessly plugged it, I will admit that it it came from uh, the police. There's something within uh, all of the UK police forces called the National Decision Making Model. Um, it started with firearms incidents, but it became such an effective uh, tool to create a rationale that it spread to all officers in all roles. And I've, in effect, taken the national decision-making model and made it useful to the coaching environment and, and to coaches. And I'm more than happy to share that with anybody that uh, is interested so yeah thank you Alec um, yeah sure I will definitely leave your um, contact details um, in the show notes and I'll come back to to this question later in our episode um, yeah and uh, yeah I just want again coming back to Trim I forgot to say that it's really it's 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 such a great initiative to have um that supportive environment, people who are trained, generally just, just saying that, I forgot to mention that. And plus, generally, you mentioned how you work uh, people with trauma, how it coincides with, you know, psychology in general, you know, that saying that feelings are not facts, you know, that the main, this is, the, I think the main message is there, right? Exactly so. I mean, anything that um, creates limiting belief for us, you know, day to day, any warpy thoughts 
that we have all of those kind of black and white thinking, um, cognitive dissonance type of conversations, just because it's related to a trauma, it doesn't mean that our mind deals with it any any differently. Um, and the mistakes that are commonly made in day-to-day life that are eased and soothed by speaking to a coach are just trauma-based in a trauma-informed coaching environment. Um, all, all of the same mind tricks, let's call them, um, apply. Uh, it's just the the landscape is, is slightly different. And beneath that, and this comes back to uh, you know, formative experiences, it's much easier to make you know, mountains of traumatic stuff if they're already based in little foothills. Um, so if you've developed a lot of tools and responses, even if they're not necessarily particularly helpful ones, they're what you're going to fall back on for any experience in life. So if you take the bad thing and drop it in the pond, the ripples are still going to roll out over the way that you think about things. So if you come for a trauma-informed coaching session, you probably will find that underneath that there's many other patterns of thinking that can be challenged, reframed, rephrased, replaced, and your your entire world becomes a calmer place. Yes, that's so true. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just judging by my experience when I uh, joined Ecology, even prior to that, when I did Kane's uh, life um, coaching courses, a couple of his courses, it was, I had so many epiphanies uh, that time, you know, that self-awareness. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is what you, you just said, because people, some people just don't know how to, they don't know themselves sometimes that these the destructive uh, thought patterns they have, they're not helping them, right? And it's so important to um, have to have actually even understanding of, of that, of that. And um, I know, Alec, you um, successfully navigated your emotional healing after experiencing trauma. Did you, uh, did you, ma- um, is it, how shall I frame this question? Did this happen because of ecology or is your dream training? How did you heal yourself, basically? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, been through the Western medical model and I was left with this diagnosis of complex PTSD, uh, globalized anxiety disorder, several other things. And during this, uh, probably, <laughs> probably relevant, I could have mentioned it earlier, but I had been assaulted. I was off work injured when you know, the emotional collapse happened and I was in the process of getting back to work, but still having physical problems that appeared to be related to the assault. And during that time, uh, you know, medical investigation discovered that I had a, a paraspinal abscess. So I had a, a cord compression from the base of my skull, um, roundabout to the middle of of my chest and all of a sudden I was looking at permanent paralysis so I was I won't say rushed but fairly swiftly taken into hospital over Christmas uh, 2020 and I had massive spinal surgery and it was 50-50 as to whether I was going to be able to walk, whether I would actually make it off the table, um, what I would be left with as a physical condition. And as you can imagine, on top of the emotional upheaval that I'd been through, this was a, a major um, major obstacle, could have, could have been a huge setback. But I was recommended ecology um, by a still a current member and 
I was in a very lucky position that, you know, I didn't, I couldn't walk. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. And I had plenty of time and I completely immersed myself in ecology. Sound came very challenging. Um, you know, anybody that's done any of Kane's courses will know his stance on trauma and the fact that whatever has happened to us, we have the power to alter for the better. And I became a convert. Um, <laughs> uh, and it has made a, it has made all the difference, all the difference. Most of my social support is now on ecology. I spend a lot of time online. If I didn't, if I hadn't have had ecology, I wouldn't have made the friendships that I have. And, you know, those have translated now into real world friendships, meeting up with people uh, in London and Scotland, people who've traveled in from abroad. And, you know, we say regularly that the community is the, the biggest draw for ecology. And I can say hand on heart, that is absolutely the truth of if my experience and even deeper than uh, the community connections is the authenticity of every single person that I've met through ecology. You know, these, all of these people are working really hard, doing the work for themselves. They're taking it out into the real world. If, yeah, we think of as, as an ecology bubble, you know, there are people who are working in the mental wellness industry, who are in educational establishments. Um, and I, it, it's almost overwhelming for me to see the number of people that are taking this principle living maturity of character out into the world. And, uh, you know, your podcasts here, um, it's such grounded, mature advice. Um, and I say advice in air quotes, but I would encourage anybody listening to find themselves an ecologist and have some free coaching because they will all offer it for free. And it's life-changing. It's a game-changer, 100%. Yes, that's that was definitely in my case. Um, yeah, and I think the community that that ecology provides, as you said, gives that authentic uh, feel. Uh, people collaborate and, um, you know, I think we're all on that journey to growth, to evolve, to evolve and we're very supportive as well. Mm. Um, I found people very supportive within within community and yeah thank you for sharing Alec and um your phys yeah what did you want to say no I just I, <laughs> I was, wasn't intending to sort of uh, promote ecology um but you know the question was has it has it been influential and yes it, you know if I stripped it back I would say it was life-altering um and that's probably why I'm so passionate about it. Yeah. No, it's it's feel free. Yeah, sure. Because it, it, it you know, it had such a big impact on your uh on your life. And I think it's college probably part of your life now. You do you you're doing so many things for um for the academy, you run events, um to my knowledge, what this is what I know. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your uh, you know, that journey. When it started with your physical health, as you said, you didn't, um, you know, couldn't walk, uh, you weren't bad. And yeah, and that, as a result of that, you, you enrolled in, um, yeah, in a, in a, in, in an ecology course, which led you to another path of your life <laughs> and help you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it took me from a place where I'd given everything. If I, I mean, I don't want to sound melodramatic, but yeah, it, it took the majority of my working life, um, between 19 and 51 ish. And some of it was hellish. 
and very, very challenging. And along the way, you know, there were <laughs> tears and bloodshed and divorce and, yeah, all of those uh, things that make up the fabric of our lives. And if anybody had told me that at some point in the future I would be on a a path of serving others with a vision and a purpose of a future where the ripples of these choices of um, character and maturity would be my focus from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed and then I probably dream about them but not in a um, a traumatic stress way uh, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have taken it I that's not something I would have seen and I don't feel like I was medically retired I feel like I was um, given a profound and challenging opportunity to create something that allows me now to help others in a way that hopefully will be life-altering, maybe even in some cases life-saving for them too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because you, you you went through yourself, so so many adversities. Are you as far as I as far as as far as I'm aware, your your physical health is better now compared to when you said you compared can... to yes. I mean, I the first sort of really conscious um, moment um, post general anaesthetic and um, some people would be familiar you kind of go in and out for a little while um, I was able to push my toes against the footboard in the hospital bed and I flooded with tears because I knew that meant that I still had control of my limbs um, and it's been a long journey uh, I was in Christmas, uh, Christmas Day I spent in hospital um, 2020 and yeah, a good day now I, I walk with one stick a bad day I might not walk very far at all uh, and it'll be with two sticks but it doesn't impact my life um, in the way that many people might assume that it, it does um, and the things that I do do um yeah if i go and spend some time with my son outside kicking a ball back to him that brings me a depth of pleasure and joy that i haven't experienced beforehand so it's really uh changed my benchmark of where i find joy and how happy i am and it's it must sound odd to say that I had this complete emotional and physical um, breakdown and the end result of it is that I've got much, much lower levels of uh, acceptance of, of joy and fulfilment of purpose and people will probably, and people do ask, you know, would, would you go back to the time when you could run and did run 80 miles a week just for the, the pleasure of it? And the answer is no. My mental state and my vision for my life and that the lives of those that I come in contact with is so much greater now and I wouldn't exchange it um, nor would I exchange the people that I've met um, and the person I've become for the person that I was. Mm, yes, actually, this is so true. Uh, this is what they say. Sometimes this is what makes us Sounds like a cliche, not stronger, but this is what, you know, who, this is who we, you know, this is makes us as a person, all these even bad experiences we had, traumatic experiences, it makes us who we are right now. Um, so we can find some benefits. Well, I, mean, I don't know, not benefits, but. It, it's a mindset thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. And that's something that we come up with coaching all the time. And there are as many different ways that you can do something as there are people on the planet. But as far as I'm aware, and something I say to my clients is that there is only one way that you can't do something and that's just in your head. So if it 
you some people say that they find the story inspirational and if that's the case then i'm pleased that i can offer that but really the the power of the story for me is that the person i was who did crumble uh, under the the experiences of their life was entirely unaware of their own ability to change and direct their course you know it's very fixed mindset and looking back on it now <laughs> much like Cain says um complete victim mindset uh all of these horrendous things that happened to me and that was where i i found the challenge and the opportunity recognizing that this was all happening for me and that there were opportunities to grow and flourish and everybody anybody that's listening anybody that comes to this however long from now to to then that opportunity will remain um as long as you are open to changing the mindset and the perspective you can flourish regardless of what manure i'm going to be careful with my words what manure is on top of you the seed is just going to grow stronger because of that oh i love this alec this is so um inspiring and motivating as well because you know a lot of people have you know even mixed you know growth and fixed growth as well as fixed mindset and sometimes you know when we face these adversities something like oh you know i want to give up you know life is unfair and all this negative thoughts and self-doubts pop in our heads but you know you are a true example who went through so many things in life and you just as you said it's it, it all starts from our head how you because you could just fall into that mindset you know like the world is against me and things like that but look i, I just I, I just found it so um i love stories like this just so inspiring motivating and yeah it shows that you know we can do it and we all can do it you know yeah um thank you um for what you said and yes it is there for all of us to achieve and whether you go into a relationship because you know you need trauma-informed coaching or you just want to explore your own mindset whatever takes you to a point of becoming more aware about yourself um it's the start of a journey that can last anything up to the rest of your lifetime if you want it to and if it's not for you today then that's okay as well there's no judgment about that yeah this is yeah this is why i love coaching we i think we're trained not to be judgmental and seek to understand people and this is well what I've learned from coaching and yeah. Um, I know you recently wrote a book. Uh, can you tell us more about it? Uh, yeah, can you tell us more about it? Yes. Um, so we've mentioned ecology a lot and within um, ecology we ha have many people who have stories to tell and inspiration. So um, we have together it's not uh, it's not ecology branded it's uh, predominantly members of ecology but uh, it's a book about um, going beyond limiting beliefs and the fear factor beyond limiting beliefs it's just in the process of final editing and hopefully will be available certainly as an ebook um, by the end of October and you'll you will find lots of motivational stories within uh, all from different perspectives, but the the one um, corresponding factor in each is that the authors found a limiting belief around fear, whatever fear was for them, and have gone beyond it um, to flourish as coaches, as people, as parents, um, 
as influencers. So watch this space in your show notes for um, details as to how you can get that. But as I say, hopefully, fingers crossed, end of October. And I know before all the coaches shout at me, hopefully, fingers crossed, is not a smart goal. <laughs> but that's what I'm working with, end of October. Mm, good to know. I will definitely put a link uh, in the show notes when it's ready um, so people can buy it or download it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's that's uh, amazing. And I know we have covered um, so many things uh, in today's episode. Before we wrap up uh, for today, do you have any final thoughts or anything I've missed? Do you want to say something? I think if I was going going to leave uh, a parting thought, it would be um, that self-awareness precedes inner strength and personal resilience. So whatever uh, a listener takes away from the show, if anything, um, start that journey of reflection, uh, inner knowledge, self-awareness, um, because it really is a a light that you you know people say about the light at the end of the tunnel. But if you to use a, a metaphor, if you're holding the the lamp of self awareness, you get to choose how bright you turn that up, and the light is right in your hand. It's not at the end of some tunnel. It's there with you. It's yours. And you can brighten it up anytime you want to. Oh, this is uh, so, so nice. Very well said. Thank you, Alec. Very well said. And before we conclude, how can our listeners find you? Um, I have a website, desiredstate.uk. And uh, I've just recently joined Instagram. That's Alec underscore Wells underscore. And don't go there looking for a huge amount of content. There's not a lot there yet. And email is desiredstate at mail.com. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much, Alec, for sharing. I'll definitely uh, put, uh, leave all the links in the show notes uh, so our listeners can either connect with you or contact the, contact you as they wish and again thank you so much for being on my show it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for having me it's been my pleasure as well thank you thank you Alec. become the best version of yourself with coaching chats